Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Jerry Polly of Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast. He is my friend. And guys, he's the reason I actually have a podcast. He sent me my first mic. He actually sent me my only mic. Welcome to the show, Jerry. I'm glad to be back, Leslie. I'm so happy you're back. I have you occasionally on and you're just a delight and you're a friend of mine and we shoot this stuff together all the time and just have a blast every time we talk. Today we're going to talk about something different. So why don't you introduce the story and we'll just go from there. Well, we were going to talk a little bit about St. James Palace, which is an awesome place. Of course, it's in London in Westminster. And it was actually built on the orders of Henry VIII. So this goes way back, obviously. And it's it's been essential in a lot of important events that have happened in London ever since. Yes. You know, I, I, th- I thought it was interesting, though. One of the things that I found interesting, mm-hmm. it was actually on the land that used to house the St. James Hospital for lepers. Oh, really? How fun does that sound? That sounds fantastic. You know, that's not cursed at all, huh? No, I guess they figured, you know, who the hell needs a hospital for lepers anymore? Let's just put our palace there. That's right. And I asked you before we started recording, I said, hey, Jerry, because, you know, I could teach a class on Henry VIII. Do you know the difference between a palace and a castle? And I don't know why you would. Well, yeah. But I know this just because I'm a nerd about England and this time period. Um, Castles are fortified for battle and palaces are actual residences. Mm, Not as exciting as I thought it was going to be, but okay. (laughs) To give you some insight on some of the important things that have happened there, Anne Boleyn, she stayed the night after she was crowned queen. Mary Tudor actually signed a uh, treaty that I think they surrendering Calais back in 1558. Mm-hmm. And when the Spanish Armada was threatening uh, the United Kingdom there, Elizabeth I actually rode out there. Like, I don't know where she was, maybe Buckingham Palace or something, but yeah. she rode out there from wherever and talked to the troops to give them a little pep talk. Well, I tell you what, well, because, you know, Mary Tudor was Henry's first wife's daughter, their daughter together. And once she died and he wanted to marry uh, Anne Boleyn and totally change the church and all that, the Spanish kind of, you know, they didn't like that because they had a tie with them with the marriage of him and Catherine of Aragon. She died and he denounced the royalty of his children, you know, with him and actually Anne Boleyn. So then it, it became a madhouse there. It was just nuts. Well, you know, we talked about Buckingham Palace and everybody thinks about the queen and living there and then the, at least that being the residence. But apparently Queen Victoria actually began a tradition when she chose to live in St. James Palace rather than Buckingham Palace. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I don't know when it switched back. Or which queen or king actually decided to switch back, but apparently they didn't always stay at Buckingham Palace. Right. And Buckingham Palace, is, it's a younger building, so it's probably because St. James's Palace had been there for centuries. And I don't think Buckingham Palace was even erected until the early 1800s. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. And a lot of, you know, while we're on that subject, a lot of the actual building itself of St. James is not original. The, the, the part that's red brick is still original, but there was a big fire back in 1809 that damaged a big part of it. It all had to be reconstructed. 
So. It kind of makes sense on the timing, though, of Buckingham Palace, because maybe they had to build another palace really quickly so they could fix St. James's Palace. I don't know. I'm speculating because I don't know. I wasn't there. Well, let's talk a little bit about an event that happened there, because there's one main haunting, mm-hmm. and it actually may be one of the grossest spirits that are haunting London because this spirit is often seen with its throat slashed oh, and very bloody. Really? That's not fun. Yes. Okay. So we're going to go we're going to go back to the year 1810 and actually it's at the time that we're recording it's actually the same date because this happened over May 30th and 31st really? which is the date that we're recording on the 31st. Yes. yes. So, very very perfect for the timing. Yes. So we're going to go back there was a duke there by the name of Ernest. Okay, that's his first name. We're going to, not going to get into all the last names and all that stuff. I'm not going to get that technical. <laughs> but there was Duke there by the name of Ernest. And he apparently was a pretty big jerk. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, the people couldn't stand him. He was belittling to them. He just was very arrogant, cocky, whatever adjectives you want to put in there. That's what he was, narcissist. And uh, the people that he was over couldn't stand him. Well, he lived right there at St. James Palace, and he had a bunch of servants that lived there as well. He had an event on that, the 30th, 31st. Mm -hmm. It was the middle of the night, and he's screaming that there's a murderer in the house. What? He said he felt two thumps on his head, and he thought, what the hell is this? So he's waking up, but he's still half asleep. He feels another two thumps. And he's thinking maybe a bat somehow or another got in and must have flown in and flown into his head. Okay. Right. And this is according to his testimony. He gets up and he notices that there's a person standing beside him. Oh. And this person swings a sword and hits him in the thigh. Ooh. He gets up. He runs to the door in between his room and the next room where there's a servant of his by the name of Neely mm-hmm. that is sleeping. So he goes in. And I'm going to tell you, all these events that we're going to talk about are very controversial, and okay. you'll see why. Okay. He gets over there, he opens the door, and he starts screaming, I've been murdered, which is hard to scream <laughs> right. when you've actually been murdered. But that's what he said. Yeah. He's been murdered. He's and, yeah. But he, there's a murderer in the house, and the guy Neely says he gets up, he runs in the other room, and now he's in the Duke's bedroom, mm-hmm. and there is a bloody sword laying there on the ground. Mm. Okay. He's got a gash across the thigh. He's moaning and groaning like he's been severely injured. And this Neely guy, which is one of his uh, servants, a valet, mm-hmm. he says, let me go follow. Let me make chase of this attacker. Yeah. He supposedly, the attacker ran down the hall and ran into a, another man's quarter, another servant, mm-hmm. by the name of Sellis, mm-hmm. last name Sellis. Mm-hmm. All right, so the Duke tells him, no, hold off, because I want you to go with me. We're going to go and sound the alarm, but first I want you to wake up all the other servants and let them know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what he does. Okay. Well, then they go sound the alarm. They come back. They're back in the Duke's bedroom, and he tells Neely to go ahead and search and see if he can find anything that would give an idea of who this attacker might be. Well, the first thing he does is look into uh, the closet in the Duke's bedroom. And lo and behold, guess what? There is a sheath that would have held the sword. Mm. And there is a pair of slippers that have Celis written on them. <laughs> kind of odd, but okay. Yeah. And there's a canister of water. Mm. So now they go down the hallway to Celis's room, which is about 100 feet away. Okay. So they go down to Celis's bedroom. And there lay Celis in his bed, dead. Mm. Throat cut 
ear to ear, mm. so much so that he was almost decapitated. Wow. The, the linens, the bed, completely soaked with blood. Oh. So this whole thing is like, wow, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But it makes zero sense. Right. You know, why would Sellers be in there dead? And why has he got all this stuff? So the Duke is then trying to say, I don't know what happened. The attacker must have just went in there and killed Sellers. Right. But that made no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now, Neely says, oddly enough, that he didn't hear any of this commotion going on. He only heard when Duke came in there and opened the door and said that, you know, hey, I'm being murdered. Right. Which was strange because he said he's a very light sleeper. And apparently these walls were really thin between the rooms. And he said he's a light sleeper. He's surprised he didn't hear all the commotion right. going on. But he said the rest of the stuff kind of kind of lined up. So they go and talk to the authorities. He gives the Duke gives his statement. Neely gives his statement. They didn't do much in an investigation, obviously, because he's the Duke. Right. And uh, they just pretty much didn't look much into it. They say, hey, Neely's dead and there was an attacker in the house. But the people weren't really happy with that explanation. They're trying to figure out. Why would Celis's shoes and stuff be in there with his name on it? You, you know, they start thinking that something just doesn't add up. Yeah. So here's the key to all this. The Duke said that what he thinks happened, he thinks that Celis was the one who attacked him. And he thought that he had killed him. Then he went back to his room and thought about what he did, and he committed suicide. Okay. That he, you know, that's why he was dead. And that's why his throat was slashed, because they found a razor. And they found a uh, half basin of water where somebody had tried to wash off blood. Mm. But the people thought, okay, if he was going to attack the Duke, why would he leave shoes with his name on and everything in his closet? Why would he have written his name on his shoes? It didn't make sense. It all looked set up. And they felt like that for whatever reason, Celis must have had some kind of information on the Duke that he didn't want out. And he decided, I'll just kill him Mm. and I'll make it look like this is what happened. So the people were pretty pissed off that nothing was really investigated. Mm -hmm. And then they started talking about the wound that the Duke suffered. They said it was very superficial. He made it out like he had been, you know, hacked to death. (laughs) And in reality, it wasn't much of an injury. Mm -hmm. So that made people even more suspicious. So even though he was found not guilty, the people were really irritated at him so much to the point where he eventually resigned his position oh, wow. and he moved over abroad because he felt felt for his life. Mm. So that's kind of the story about what happened. And now Celis supposedly haunts the St. James Palace Ooh. and they kind of people see him. But every time they see him, he's got these slit throat and covered in blood. Wow. I mean, do they like see him, you know, like, do they see him just like in their rooms or just see, well, they, it's not even open to the public, right? No, the, the place is pretty much, there's a lot of parliament stuff that goes on. So it's closed to the public. Okay. So this is probably accounts from people that are in the parliament or people that Correct. visit. Okay. Okay. And wow. been going on for years. Really? Yes. Cause I mean, this happened in 1810 Right. Yeah. and it's been a story that's went on literally ever since. Yes, over 200 years ago. So do you know some of the stories? Actually, he said to have haunt the place still. He appears in the room where he died. Mm-hmm. They said his blood-drenched body is actually lying on the bed just as it was discovered. Ooh. So they still have a bed in there for whatever reason. Ooh. 
And I know sometimes, you know, uh, and this is just might be residual or whatever this is, where there's been blood all over the wood floors or whatever. And a lot of times they'll clean it up and it'll kind of reappear, you know, somehow. I don't know if that kind of stuff happens, but I've heard lots of things like that happening in some of these older places, older castles, older palaces, you know? Well, this is apparently it's pretty gruesome because they say, of course, he's still got his throat slashed, like we've mentioned. But also his mouth is hanging open like he's uh, in a terrible silent scream type motion. Well, you know, I interview people that talk about ghosts and what they think they are. And for what they tell me and what I've discovered is a lot of times little pieces of your energy, you know, can escape. And then, you know, energy doesn't die. It just changes form. And like maybe some of his just traumatic happenings that, you know, being killed stayed there. And I don't know if it necessarily plays out every time or if it, it's just there and it almost gains an intelligence and it almost can like continue to to keep going you know what i'm saying i mean if it's a haunting that or it just is residual it just depends you know right yeah there definitely is a difference between residual hauntings and and a uh intelligent uh, intelligent haunting yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. i know when it comes to this situation it's not the same all the time uh sometimes it happens on the anniversary of the uh the event which was like i said would be this time of year right sometimes people say they can hear muffled shouts and sometimes they even hear the struggle that took place beforehand. Wow. So it really just depends on what happens. The thing that, that gets me, though, is people say they can smell the sickly sweet stench of blood Ooh. throughout the entire building when this happens. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's nothing like, there's no uh, denying the, the smell of blood. Wow, that's crazy. So, you know, it's one of those things where I, don't you wish you could just go and visit and or talk to some of these people and go, hey, what did you see? What happened? You know, what do you think it is? You know, how long do you think it's been going on? And you're, you know, for you guys, you know, it'd be fun to just kind of talk to these people. But obviously we can't because it's not open to the public. Oh, absolutely. That would be so cool to be able to go over there and be able to see stuff, that, especially knowing that it's not open to the public. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, wouldn't it be fun to do an investigation there, you know? <laughs> Let me see who I can call over there. You, hey, you have connections, Jerry. You know, you've got a big old podcast with, what, a billion, thousand, jillion downloads now? <laughs> Something like that. I don't know if those were actual numbers, but... <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> well, I also love the fact that you do Hillbilly Deadtime stories. You do Eerie Encounters. Tell me about some of those stories. Um, well, I try to do, for Hillbilly Horror Stories, the main episodes on Sundays, mm-hmm. I try to do something that we can do a 30-minute episode out of, a good a good deep dive onto something. Right. But what I find is, is, as I'm looking through stories to do, I find a bunch of really good stories that they just don't really fit that. You know, they're, they're right. a good eight-minute story or a good right. 10-minute story. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I hate to just not do these stories because some of them are really fascinating. So I started Hillbilly Dead Town Stories, which is, uh, it's not a conversational podcast like Hillbilly Horror Stories or like we're doing now. Mm-hmm. It's more of a scripted music behind it. It's a little more polished, produced episode. Right. And they're usually, like I said, between seven and 10 minutes long. Yeah, and, cool. you know, they're, they're just some of the lesser known stories. And that's that's what I want to focus on. I think we're up to 122 episodes of wow. Hillbilly Dead Town Stories. And those come out on Wednesdays. But I don't think... Any of them will be something that you probably have heard of. They're none of them are the mainstream really? stories, and that's what I like the most about it. So, I mean, one of the only ones we did cover, and I actually posted this on TikTok yesterday because we made videos to go with a lot of the the early ones. Yes, and uh, we we covered the death of uh, Mary Reeser, which was a, a very well known case in Florida. Mm. 
of spontaneous combustion. But we covered that one. Uh, that's one of the few that we actually covered that I would say some people would know about. But no, the rest yeah. of them, I mean, it's, you know, everything from little, a haunted florist that we've covered, and we've covered strange cases of things that have happened. So they don't have to necessarily be paranormal. Sometimes they're just uh, the unexplained type right, things. Right. And then uh, on Thursdays, we do something I like to call eerie encounters. Yes. And they're mostly paranormal. But sometimes they're not. Uh, the one that's getting ready to come out this Thursday, they're all actually military stories. So we've got a couple of stories. And these are these are personal accounts. Mm. These are all stories that people have sent to us because we just say, hey, if you've got a paranormal story yeah. and you want it read on the show, send it to us and I'll put it in there. So I do three or four of those. It's about a 15-minute episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, we cover three, four, five of them, however long it takes to get to about 15 minutes. And I try to keep a theme like I said, these were all military, but we've done, you know, everything from creepy things that kids have said to just things that have happened at night. So it could be, you know, we, we did one series. It was burglars who uh, had some kind of a paranormal experience while they were robbing a place. Oh, wow, really? You know, it's funny because I interviewed, you remember Wendy, my friend Wendy Koch, and she was, in the mil- yeah, she was in the military, and she told me some strange stories. And I also heard some strange stories, and I can't remember where they were. It might have been on your podcast. I don't know if it was on your podcast. It's been a while. But there are a lot of people that have weird experiences when they're like in another country like Saudi Arabia, um, you know, whatever, right? And I don't know if it's because of just the energy there is different. And when war is close, or, or, you know, you're battling or defending something, maybe the vibe is different. And you know what I'm saying? And maybe it just kind of conjures up more energy and not all of it's good. No, I agree. And I think there is something different about being in a foreign country. It just and like you said, you know, you hear some of these stories from foreign countries and they just stand out. They it do. just seems like they're just different than the stories that we encounter here. Even if it's an American, you know, experience and it, it's just different. Right. She talked about, uh, I can't remember what she called it. It was like a dust tornado, but it wasn't like the dust tornadoes we have. She called it something else. Can't remember what it was, but it was scary as hell. I'm not going to lie. And they thought they were going to, because they were intense out in Saudi Arabia in the desert back in desert storm like early 90s yeah and she said it was the scariest thing she goes we were literally praying we were praying out loud as loudly as we could just to hear each other talk because it was that scary and I was like wow and that wasn't necessarily paranormal but it's just it was just so crazy because it came at night they they didn't have a lot of warning you know they they did what they could do but it was just so freaking scary and you you know Anything happening at night is really scary anyway, but when you're not at home and you're in this like dust storm and you can't see anybody and it's just, oh, I can only imagine how scared she was. Yeah. And that's like I said, and we cover a lot of stories like that. So it's not relegated to strictly paranormal because anything can be scary. Oh, right. So you have been doing Hillbilly Horror Stories for what? Is it, has it been six years now? It'll be seven years in August. What? seven months away from being seven years oh my gosh and you guys their podcast is so great like I said he's the reason Jerry's the reason I'm a podcaster now he's like you're gonna be good at this and I'm like no I'm writing books he goes that's all fine and good but you need to do this too and I'm like no and he finally talked me into it sent me my the mic I'm using right now it's been a fantastic mic thank you by the way and (laughs) I have you to thank for this and I have loved doing this podcast Um, I love talking to the people I talk to And I get to listen to Jerry and Tracy, my friends, and watch them grow their podcast and the success you've had. I'm so proud of you. 
Well, and I'm I'm ever bit as proud of you. Thank you. And listen, guys, uh, I'm going to let Jerry give you his information on how you can listen to his podcast, or maybe I think he has a YouTube channel. Do you still have your YouTube channel, Jerry? We don't use it as much, but I am starting to use TikTok, so. Okay, yeah, I noticed that. I noticed that. So, you know what, I'll just uh, give you the mic and you can tell everybody where to find you and we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Well, Leslie, you can find me anywhere you listen to podcasts. So, hopefully Horror Stories is uh, pretty much on every platform. And like I said, every bit of social media is all under Hillbilly Horror Stories. Surprisingly, that wasn't taken. So uh, we were able to pretty much monopolize most of those. But uh, TikTok, you know, we put out like three or four videos uh, about a year and a half ago. And they all got like over 100,000 views. And then I just got bored with it and quit. (laughs) But now I'm I'm trying to be a little more creative. So we actually started a, a series of videos that we started last week. So the first one came out. They're called TikTok Minis. They're three or four minutes. And then uh, some of these Hillbilly Horror Story or Hillbilly Dead Time Stories videos, I posted one of those the other day. I've got, I don't know, 30 of those that I'll probably post. So two or three times a week, we'll be posting something that I think will be fun and be anywhere from three minutes to eight or nine minutes. Well, I tell you, it'll be so much fun to watch because whatever you guys touch, it turns into gold because people love you. You're fun to listen to. You have such great stories. And Tracy, his wife, who's also one of the co-hosts, she is so much fun. And her reactions make the show too. I'm telling you, she's fantastic, you guys. So, um, and I will put all of his information in my show notes. And Jerry, thank you, thank you for joining me on a last minute little quick recording. (laughs) (laughs) Not a problem. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.